Through the Keyhole is fueled by Vanessa House Beer Company, located in Automobile Alley at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Stop by the tap room and try the legendary 401k lager or the refreshing destination wedding cerveza with salt and lime. Vanessa House is always brewing something fun like the Pog Hard Seltzer or their sweet and tasty sours. Great beers for a hot Oklahoma summer as we march towards football season. Stop by the Vanessa House Tap Room at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City for good drinks and family-friendly good times. Kids and pets are welcome. Yes, I mentioned kids and pets in the same sentence. Vanessa House Beer Company, the best beer in Oklahoma City. Please drink responsibly. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Alan Kenny, one of your co-hosts of Through the Keyhole. We welcome your support through uh, patreon.com backslash through the keyhole. And we'd also appreciate it if you left a rain and review wherever it is you get your podcasts. For, for this uh, special free episode, we're talking with AP college football writer Ralph Russo about... Um, well, I guess you know, a bunch of stuff related to the upcoming season, which kicks off in uh, about a day right now with games for week zero. So let's welcome him on. Ralph, what's up, man? Yeah, it, things are good. Thanks, Alan, for having me. Yeah, I, I kind of like week zero because, you know, it, there's not enough going on where I have to really work hard. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so it's one of the few weekends of the football season where, like, there are games going on. But I can still have a beer. <laughs> right, <laughs> like right. Yeah, I'm with you, Ben. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's it, it's week zero and then the very first weekend of bowl games. That those are the two weekends where there are actively football active football being played. So uh yes, very much looking forward to week zero, very much looking forward to the regular the full season starting. And uh it should be a pretty interesting one if we can get past conference realignment. AP didn't put you on a jet out to uh, Dublin for <laughs> Notre Dame. Speaking of having a beer, right? <laughs> Notre Dame Navy, right? No, yeah. Unfortunately, we got that one covered from over there. But yeah, you know, it, I think that like the simple fact that like Notre Dame and USC are playing this weekend. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you'll be able to find USC in your area. But, <laughs> in the Pac-12 network, but we will definitely be able to catch uh, Jacksonville State, in, and I believe in prime time against New Mexico State. I believe is that that is that the one of the games. I I kind of am getting my Conference USA, new Conference USA schools confused this this time of yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, well with all the uh, conference hopping, and you mentioned USC. They're one school heading from the uh, Pac. I guess now it's all the way down to the Pac-4, what have you, to uh, the Big Ten, but. Hey, here's your chance, Ralph. Uh, any news you want to break about the rumored merger for the Pac-4 and the ACC? Yeah, I, I mean, I do, unfortunately, I know as I literally look at my phone uh, for <laughs> to see what the latest text is, and it's nothing necessarily breaking uh, as of yet. It do, it does certainly sound like the ACC might be coming closer at five eighteen Eastern time on August twenty fourth to to expanding westward with stanford and cal i wouldn't put you know hard money on Mm -hmm. either result yes or no Uh, it did feel like to me that there's progress being made and that's what i wrote yesterday uh and a lot of it simply comes down to money 
I, I really, I mean, I, I think people have to like, this is really very much about the, what the ACC has been, has been talking about for months, which is how are we going to share revenue? There will be some new revenue that could be brought in from Cal and Stanford and maybe SMU joining as far as ESPN having to lay out more in, in, in TV revenue uh, to accommodate these new schools. But that all that revenue is more, is more likely than not to head toward the existing schools, right? The new schools will take a lower cut. Maybe not at all if you're SMU. <laughs> um, that goes into a pot. And how does that money get split up? I think that what's been the hang up is the schools that we have heard of, Florida State and North Carolina, uh, Clemson, want more. They they think that they deserve more than, than the other schools in the conference. And I think if they can get a, a price right, you can have the schools that want more money getting more money and the schools that want realignment, uh, excuse me, conference expansion getting expansion. And I and that's sim that's the simple negotiation that's being done right now. Can they get there? You know, again, I think they're going to get there, but you know, it, here's what I would say, Alan. I don't think you work this hard on something for this long and not and not toward a result. Mm -hmm. Just yeah, in general. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's funny though. Uh, funny Notre Dame always seems to get what it wants, doesn't it? <laughs> like you know. So I don't want to go down the, the conference the conference realignment rabbit hole because it is very easy to, but I do find myself wondering if you're the ACC, you don't you're right you don't want to put too much you don't want to accommodate Notre Dame too much because you know listen they're part of the problem here they're, right they're, but they also could be part of the solution. I do wonder if you create a conference that Notre Dame wants to join. When Notre Dame feels pressure about joining a conference, maybe you will be the conference that they do join. So, I, you know, again, I hate to you know have too much deference to Notre Dame there, but I do wonder if part of the, the reason to do this for the ACC is to become more compelling to Notre Dame down the road. Yeah, it seems like uh, it's, it's a funny thing because – you know, a lot of moves get made either to keep Notre Dame in play or not. I mean, not just by the ACC, the Big Ten, too. It's a funny, funny thing. But, you know, the way we've been looking at this, so, you know, you mentioned all the potential ways to break out the revenue that might be added here. And, you know, look, college football has always been a sport of haves and have nots. But we've got this new trend now that was similar to actually the way that things started with the Big 12, but it seems to be accelerating where – You've got conferences of, of essentially unequals. I mean, you've got Oregon and Washington joining the Big Ten at a you know a reduced rate. Uh, is this the future of the sport, or is this just kind of like a tiered revenue distribution thing to kind of get through the current chaos? So I do think it is a glimpse toward the future. Um, now I think they're making so much money in the SEC and Big Ten right now. It pacifies the top of that conference, the top tier, the, the Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State tier in the Big Ten, the Alabama, LSU, Georgia tier, maybe throw a couple more in there in the SEC. Because if you're making a lot, you can be happy with what you have. But at some point, I can't imagine how the conversation that has been in the Big 12 and that led to Texas and Oklahoma leaving 
that was in the Pac-12 and led to USC and UCLA and others leaving um, and is now currently in the ACC, which is we are at the top of the food chain in this conference. Why don't we get more? Why don't what shouldn't we get more? This is being driven by the gap between the SEC and the Big Ten because Clemson looks itself as a peer of SEC schools and Florida State considers its peers Florida and other SEC schools. BC and Duke, <laughs> you know, surprise, surprise, do not look at SEC schools and think we are the peers. They are our peers. They are not competing against LSU. So, again, for now, that conversation hasn't reached those big two conferences. But why would it not? Yeah. Like, if if the trajectory of all of this lends me leads me to believe that eventually down the road we will be having those same conferences in those those same conversations in those conferences right and you know kind of the have have last thing you know i think you get a lot of kind of speculation about the future from commentators analysts whatever like but they when they but they kind of overlook the idea that there really are like these built-in advantages to power programs within this current structure right there's advantages for Ohio State, Texas, Alabama, Florida, on on down the line. And so, you know, I think that there's kind of this idea. I mean, I don't see those programs necessarily get wanting to give up those advantages all that easily. So you kind of got these two kind of like competing tensions, it feels like, because whatever's going to happen next, there those advantages won't let it be necessarily particularly, I guess the best word for lack of a better word, clean, like there won't be a clean solution here. Right. So I think about it from the perspective of, you know, the team that's nearest in the school that's nearest and dearest to your heart, right. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma and Texas. And I find myself like, again, why that happened in the big 12. Well, I think part of the reason why that happened, especially from Texas's standpoint, and I apologize for the car noises in the back of my, uh, one bedroom apartment, a two bedroom apartment here in Brooklyn. Um, so, you know, you think about what happened in the Big 12 and again, definitely more Texas than Oklahoma. I, you know, I, Texas fans get mad at this, but I say, like, I think Texas got got fed up funding Iowa State and Kansas State and um, Baylor to kick their ass. Like they were like you like we're getting beat by these teams. They are literally like our 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 brand is fueling their economic engines to build up their programs, to build these stadiums. And they're catching up to us and they're beating us. Right. Mm -hmm. Again, like Oklahoma was able to sort of stiff arm that for a little <laughs> longer than yeah. than Texas was. So I think from Texas's perspective, they were like, what are we doing here? Why are we paying for Iowa State to, to lose to Iowa State? Like that's right. not like that's that's so so again, I like using that as the framework at some point, as much as Michigan has advantages and Ohio State has advantage and Penn State has an advantage, I do wonder if so much money flows into the SEC and the Big Ten. It helps level the playing field, which is not a level, but it helps provide some level of competitive balance for the have nots within those conferences. And at some point, you know, again, like LSU or, or Alabama looks across the table at Mississippi State and says, like, why are we 
allowing you to beat us or to compete with us. And, and when we're fueling that, uh, we're yeah. fueling your growth. So yeah. again, it hasn't gotten there yet, but I, I just can't imagine that it won't. Yeah, it's an interesting question. The The funny part about that too, though, is, I mean, like I look at OU and obviously the money's a big deal moving the SEC, but there's also a certain branding in terms of competitiveness that you pick up. I mean, I think that a We've lot of- We've talked about this, Alan. Yeah, I remember the last yeah. time I was on, like yeah. championships are your brand. What happens right. when that is not? Exactly. But the, the flip side of that is now- if you're Oklahoma, you know, championships are going through the SEC because I think that there's a serious recruiting advantage that you pick up just just by having that SEC patch on your I mean, on your jersey. I mean, it's Oklahoma's always had never had a problem getting skill players, quarterbacks, but getting in the trenches. Right. You you really I mean, it's a big advantage. So, again, like in this future, if you start if you start heading down the road to like mini NFL and we just have, you know, I don't know, the West Division and the East Division, and that's college football at the highest level, you've lost, you've given away a lot of brand equity. You know what I mean? Like from the SEC scene. Yeah, w- without question. I mean, because, you know, listen, that's that's another, you know, sort of like big picture. Here's the consequences of your super conferences, right? Like all of a sudden in Oregon and Washington come to mind. Listen, I know, again, you're an Oklahoma fan. You love Oklahoma. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think I'm overstepping to say, like, what happens when Oklahoma rattles off a, a couple of eight right. win seasons in a row? Not because Oklahoma is not good, but because they're the they're the they're the 10th best yeah. team in the country, but the fourth best team in yeah. the SEC or the yeah, fifth yeah. best team in the SEC. Like that's the new reality of these conferences. So like, you know, where, where does that leave Oklahoma fans? Yeah, when, right. Like, Hey, like we're getting better recruits than we ever have. And like our, our talent composite looks great, but you know, we're also playing five top 15 teams a year yeah. and somebody's got to lose those games. Exactly. And there's going to be a year when like our young quarterback is not quite like, it just becomes that type of, NFL model where you yeah. could be a pretty good team, but just have a year where like things don't break your way and you and you barely are 500. Like right. that's the reality of college football that I think we're heading toward. And it's it's really going to be fascinating to see the fallout from a lot of these moves in five or six years and the schools that go. And I trust me, like I, you know, I, I mentioned Oklahoma, but I really worry about Oregon and Washington in this in uh, this context. Like yeah. You know, going from big dogs in the Pac-12 to all of a sudden, like, man, this is a little different now. Yeah. Uh, when we when like Wisconsin's the fourth best team we play this year. Yeah, yeah, and they're big dogs on a diet too, right? Because they're not getting all the money from the. And then there's houses. that, right? Yeah, and then yeah. That. So, you know, I looked through uh, your column about some of your kind of preseason predictions. You uh, you had a bunch of upstarts there making noise, <laughs> just playing. You play your favorite stories you're following this season. Yeah, you know, listen, I think that theme. Uh, you know, I, I felt le- less prepared to do good predictions this year than in years past because the month leading up to the season oh has been God. so. Yeah you know, total, totally overtaken by realignment and Harbaugh and, and, and hazing at Northwestern and things along those lines, NIL. Um, but, you know, so, so, you know, listen, I'm a writer first and like, they may not be great predictions, but I did think I came up with a good theme <laughs> and that was, you know, these, these empires strike back, right. 
but but bear with me for a second here because I don't think it's just the theme. I don't think it's so outlandish. You know, Alabama is the second favorite in Vegas. They still have the second most talented roster in the country. Oklahoma is, I believe, the second favorite with a nine and a half win total mm-hmm. in Vegas right now, right? Um, Clemson is kind of a co-favorite in Florida yeah. State, even though the narrative, I hate to use that word because it gets used pejoratively, but sort of the narrative is like, oh, Florida State's on the upswing and Clemson, they might be sort of on the down. And obviously we've seen what happened, what's happened in the Big Ten the last couple of years with Michigan overtaking Ohio State. But have they really, have they really overtaken Ohio <laughs> State? Because again, I look at those rosters and think, I don't know, Ohio State looks pretty good to me. They seem to get that quarterback thing figured out. So again, that was my way of sort of like having a little fun with the predictions mm-hmm. and and just thinking like, you know, again, like the the, the narrative, the sort of, uh, you know, says one thing. But I think the the again, if you dig into the recruiting rankings and to what into what Vegas says, it, it, it suggests another. It, it, it suggests that these teams that really dominated the playoff era, Alabama, uh, Clemson, Ohio State and Oklahoma with the most playoff appearances. I know Georgia's, you know, sort of thrust in there mm-hmm. the last couple of years, obviously, and taken over the sport. But those four had the most playoff appearances. And wouldn't it be interesting if the last year of the four-team playoff, all of those surge again to the front and there's either your playoff contenders or playoff, you know, matchups. Yeah, it it's straight would be a strangely fitting way, wouldn't it, to for the four thing, you know, four team thing to go out because I think everybody in the beginning imagined that this would produce a you know certain new level of parody or excitement and man a lot looks the same to me year in year out still so uh any other big stories you're following anything else really caught your eye you know i i do think um you know so much of it is off the field yeah. but uh, you know when we go back to on the field stuff i you know i i am it's hard not to be fascinated by like Caleb Williams. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think the story of him and can he pursue, can he track down another Heisman trophy is pretty interesting. I mean, I, you know, we, I tend to write that off. Like it'll just never happen mm-hmm. um, because I think voters will, will create such a high bar for him to clear that he will have to be better than last year. USC will have to be better than last year. Uh, it, it almost becomes impossible to reach, um, but it will be interesting. But, but I also think that there's a level of, you know, hey, if he does make it to the playoff year. I mean, listen, it's been only one guy in the in the 80 year history of this yeah. award to do it in Archie Griffin. If he was to win another one, that would be a, a pretty remarkable story. Uh, you know, listen, I, I referenced, you know, the Alabama situation you know, as and me picking them to win the national championship as if I'm going out on a limb, <laughs> but, but, and, but the reality is, listen, I am not, I am, I am not ignorant to the fact that like, this is an interesting season for mm-hmm. Alabama, right? We don't know who the stars are going to be there. And what does this mean for the sport? If Alabama, instead of my bold prediction coming through, takes another half step back, but you know, another two loss season in which, they don't win the West. And like, this is not a catastrophe, but that starts signaling that maybe the, there is a sea change going on here with the greatest coach in the history of college football. And um, so, uh, you know, to me, that is, fa- that's yeah. fascinating as well. 
um, how good the Pac-12 can be in what what looks like its last season, you know, which yeah. just sort of kind of a sad story. It feels really like a sad ironic, story. yeah. Yeah. To me, that like all of a sudden this this conference might be, you know, lined up to be as good as it's been in a, almost, you know, probably close to a decade. Yeah. And now you're going to say goodbye to it, uh, which nothing is more a more fitting way to sum up the Pac-12 is USC finally gets its act together in time to say goodbye. Right. Yeah. Uh, after that was one of the reasons why the Pac-12 was having all these issues. I mean, they, you know, aside from leadership and all those things, like, trust me, USC can take a fair amount of the blame there. Yeah. Um, and and what what's going to go on in the Big 12 with the transition, I, I think, you know, to, to bring it back to Oklahoma's conference and uh, which of those four schools, you know, I, I think it's going to be rough sledding mm-hmm. early on for Cincinnati. Yeah. Just massive roster turnover and a new coach in there coach, who I, you know, we'll see what happens with Satterfield. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think BYU is built right now to immediately step into the Big 12. Houston, who knows what's going on with yeah. Dana. Um, so that's kind of an interesting. I think UCF is the one team that has a chance to be into November and contending, even if they don't like, uh, even if they aren't a serious contender. So how that transforms in the Big Twelve is is pretty interesting to me as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a fascinating year there. Well, R- Ralph, I have taken up too much of your time. You're a busy man. Uh, I guess you know, hit everybody with the Twitter handle real quick or the X handle, whatever, <laughs> real quick. <laughs> It is Ralph D. Russo AP, Ralph D. Russo AP. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, if you don't mind a few Mets tweets, it's not a bad place to follow. <laughs> well, you are a gentleman and a scholar, Ralph. I really appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you, Alan. All right. Thanks to our guest, uh, Ralph Russo of the AP. Make sure to check out all his work. And thanks to you all, too, for joining us. For Through the Keyhole, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy. <laughs>